The statistics show that one in four women will be sexually abused or assaulted in their lifetime and will on average be up to four times more likely to develop depression, suicidal thoughts, post-traumatic stress disorder, drug and alcohol abuse, eating disorders, relationship problems, and physical and or mental health issues. And if unhealed, will not be able to live free, purposeful, and joyful lives. But today's guest says there is hope, there is a way to heal from abuse, and it can be done in seven steps. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk, and very pleased to introduce to you Carolyn Hauser Carson, a naturopathic doctor, a family constellations practitioner, humanistic psychotherapist, a woman's empowerment expert, and the author of Blossom, your seven step journey to healing childhood sexual abuse and creating your dream life. Carolyn Hauser Carson, welcome to Mind Talk. Thanks for having me. Carolyn, I want to start out with asking you about some of the things that are in your areas of expertise. I think most of us know what a naturopathic doctor is, but tell me about a family constellations practitioner. What does that mean? Um, family constellations is a modality that was brought to the to our world from an Austrian. Um, He was a missionary and a psychotherapist, and he had been in Africa and had observed that, um, I think it was a Sulu tribe, I'm not 100% sure, but he observed that when somebody was sick in the tribe or somebody had done something that we would would deem criminal or um, not right, instead of singling that person out and working just with that person or punishing just that person, they would come together as a tribe and work with it as a whole systematically. And so this approach is also called systematic approach. And so he basically saw that in order to heal anything, we really need to look at it from a bigger picture. And and the, the work that's developed out of it essentially when it's done now, you know, the way we do it, it helps to make the subconscious visible and with that, you can replace unhealthy programming or unhealthy pictures that you have in your subconscious to into a healthy one, and by doing so, create a very different life because we we mostly create or operate um, from, you know from our subconscious programming and so when you when you can cha- make changes at that level, it's very quick and and um doesn't take any willpower because it's almost like you're you're automatically a different person. So it's very powerful and it actually saved my life at at one point. That's how I got involved with it. I was very I was severely anorexic and bulimic from when I was ten years old on until in my early twenties and nothing helped. I tried tried everything. I I you know I was even blessed by an Indian saint and <laughs> my mom my mom tried everything that she could art therapies self expression therapy um, and nothing helped and then um, she took me to a family constellations workshop and um, I was guided through a through a forty five minute process and within three months of that I was able to shake the eating disorders and so that's kind of what set me on the path that I'm on today. Within three months, that sounds close to miraculous yeah it is it is really when 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 you when you 
when you see what this work does, it, I mean, to me, it was a complete miracle because at that point I didn't think I was going to live till 30. My prognosis of um, recovery was at 5%. So it was, it was, it was a miracle. With a 5% recovery rate, uh, there really wasn't a great deal to look forward to. No, no. And all I just wanted was to, you know, have children, be able to get married, and that just seemed so far out of reach. Yeah. Tell me about, uh, I also described you as a humanistic psychotherapist. What does that mean? So humanistic is everything that came kind of after Jung, the Jungian um, um, psychotherapy and then um, Gestalt and some other more client-centric therapy. Okay. Um, that's all um, Carl Rogers and I don't know if you know the SLN Institute, kind of they were leaders in developing a um, um, psychotherapy model that was based more on um, on the client and the experience that the client has right now and then work with that instead of analyzing the past and going backwards. So instead of being in analysis five days a week for years and years and years, this is a process that's very, very different. Yes, yeah. Now, the name of your book is Blossom, and we'll, we'll get to what Blossom actually means in a moment. Um, but the subtitle, Your Seven-Step Journey to Healing Childhood Sexual Abuse and Creating Your Dream Life. H- how did you come to write a book about this particular issue? So... As I just shared, you know, I started my own kind of healing journey because of the eating disorders and then being able to recover from them. And so I really spent my 20s traveling the world, learning from different healers, learning about different modalities, and really immersing myself in learning how to be a constellations facilitator, family constellations facilitator. And so by the time I was in my late 20s and I had my first child, I really thought, you know, I had worked through it all because obviously when you're trained as a psychotherapist, you need, you know, part of it is like you need to work through all your stuff. That's kind of the job description. <laughs> At least it was for me. And um, I had started seeing clients and, and life was, you know, life was normal. I was married. I had a child. All those things were in place. And then when my daughter turned three, with her turning three, all of a sudden uh, memories of early childhood sexual abuse started to come back or it was first a feeling and then I I went to someone who helped me with it and um, I realized that I had actually been sexually abused uh, very early on from three till seven and when I first found out it was very emotional and very um, disturbing because I felt like oh my god I've spent my whole 20s working through my stuff you know, I, I hadn't made any money because my literally my whole 20s I was working on myself and my mom would say, oh, my God, when are you going to start working? You know, when are you going to start making money? And I'm like, oh, mother, it's going to pay off. Just trust me. This is what I need to do. <laughs> and then I've had a few years of reprieve. And then, you know, I found out this. And so I was pretty, um, it threw me for a hoop. And um, luckily I had a, a spiritual mentor who kind of put it in perspective and said, hey, look, you've spent the last 10 years, you know so much about healing, you know, there's probably a reason why you're finding this out now. And my whole life I had known that I wanted to be um, a writer and um, help people. I'd always looked up to Marion Williamson and Neil Donald Walsh and so forth. So when, when, that, when, when those things came together, I realized that really my first book, and that's what my first 
book needed to be about. And I, before I wrote the book, I basically took a group of women kind of through the material and then took, took their feedback because it, the book actually is a, is a, is a course. It's, it's a course that you can take yourself through. That's the way it's structured because I really wanted, it's not just, I didn't want people to just learn conceptually. I really wanted them to be able to go on a journey and facilitate themselves right, so that they can be empowered. And so I, I did it with a group first, took their feedback, and then wrote and published the book. So clearly for you, as you created this book and went through the, the process of refining it, you came to it having suffered through your own traumatic experiences beginning at three until seven, and then your parents divorced, and that brought about another huge and traumatic change for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, looking back, I realized that I started giving away my power when I was three because even though I was only three, I could have told somebody, could have gone to somebody, and I didn't. I made a choice to not say it out of love to protect the other person. And so for me then, that, that set up a whole pattern of of just giving away my power. And so when my, when my parents um, divorced when I was 11, because literally consciously I thought I had the perfect childhood you know, so for me, it came very much as a surprise. My parents never argued or anything like that, and I, I grew up very protected and went to private school and had lots of arts and, you know, lived in the countryside and played outside all day long and had so much freedom and everything. So when, when they split up, it, it was very um, unexpected. And so, again, rather than actually saying how I felt or, or um, you know, saying, hey, I'm here, I need help, um, because I felt so powerless, that's when the, the eating disorder started. They had already started, but they that's where I went to have at least a little bit of sense of power over something. So with your eating so, disorder, you know, it, it, with the eating disorder, it felt like you were in control of something. Yeah, I could do something nobody else could. You know, I lived on less than 500 calories for years and years and years. That's quite a restrictive diet. <laughs> Yep, I ate apples and salad and I think dried bread crusts or something every once in a while I was allowed to have by myself. said that your uh, your your mother's then boyfriend began to attempt to molest you and when you finally were able to tell your mom she kind of blamed you what was that like for you that was actually the 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 bigger wounding than I mean it was very confusing everything was very confusing that happened and there you know there was a lot of conflicting feelings because uh, and I've talked to a lot of you know people that have gone through abuse um, sometimes the body actually experiences pleasure right and it's like on the one hand it's like oh my body has this response but I know it's so wrong so tremendous amount of confusion a lot of people think it makes people angry or or you know helpless but 
what what I've found actually for most people the confusion is an is really an over and, and then the shame and the guilt obviously. So that was obviously bad, but then um, really my my mom out of her own reasons not being able to really see what happened right out, out of her guilt feelings she she kind of had to go into denial. That actually was was way more painful than what had actually happened. And I know for a lot of people, for a lot of women, um, they go through similar experiences. And unfortunately, you know, like you said, the numbers are so high. So if you have a parent that's gone through abuse and hasn't dealt with their abuse, it's going to be very hard for them to then see that that's going on with you, let alone protect you or be there for you. Right, and so it's very important that if you if you have gone through sexual abuse, that you do the work so that you can really be there for your child, and and not be in denial, <laughs> right, and and also protect your child. For example, you know, my parents left me with my grandfather who was an alcoholic, right. So if if my parents would have been maybe more aware, um, you know, they could have protected me or like when when you're healed, right, you can be more present to what's actually going on. And you don't have to be in denial about things. So your mother, in effect, was kind of protect, trying to protect herself from mm-hmm. the pain that you were experiencing that, in fact, was unresolved for her, which you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there are certainly um, often there are situations where the the reality of the abuse can feel so much too much that you want to shut down and ignore it and try to pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah, it's a survive. You know, for her, that's what was necessary for her to go on and survive. You know, she had just gone through the divorce and felt really bad about that, anyways, right? Because there was already a lot of guilt. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, she, I mean, for her to, you know, not get suicidal, I think that's what, that's what she had to do, right? To make it through. And, you know, the one of the the sad things about, I mean, I know you said that as a three-year-old you had the power to tell someone, but I also wonder if, um, aside from the fact that when children are abused, their abusers find ways overtly and covertly to tell them not to tell, and clearly there's a power imbalance, um, but, you know, I, I also wonder if maybe there was a part of you that knew that telling would not have gotten you any help, or at least that's what you believed as a three-year-old. Yeah, I yeah I think that you know pe- that I thought that people wouldn't believe. Me. Plus, you know, I I didn't even know really what was going on because I was just confused. I just know that something was wrong, right? So, I, I, I didn't know that what was going on was you know inappropriate sexual behavior. I had you know I was three, um, so yeah, but I I did know that something was wrong. And and at the same time, I probably felt that, um, you know, people would just basically brush brush me off because I was little, you know, and just say, oh, I didn't feel taken seriously as a three-year-old anyways, I well, think. You know, True. and I think many children don't, um, yeah. which is part of what allows abuse to really flourish. Uh, abusers know Uh, particularly if they're abusing children, that it's likely going to be uh, hard for that child to identify what's going on, to find somebody to tell, and also to find somebody to tell who will believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, what does it say with you as a parent, right? It means that you didn't, 
protect the child. So there's a lot. If if there wasn't so much shame and guilt connected to all of this, it would be so much easier. It would have been such, you know, this would not be going on anymore. It it just goes on because there's so much shame and guilt connected to it, and shame and guilt actually is a very, very low vibration frequency. So, what makes my work a little different in the way I look at things? I really look at um, anything us in life through a, an energetic perspective. And so when we just go to energy and energy levels, shame and guilt are very low vibrational frequencies. They vibrate at about 20 and 30. And anything that's below 200 is actually in the process of dying. Huh. And, you know, and that, that can be measured. Vibrational frequencies can be measured. And so for us, you know, anything like, dep- like depression is a, is a process right? that's slowly basically leaning towards death. So for us to start to feel better, our task is to get ourselves into a space where we, are, we, our body, and our whole being vibrates at least above 200 so that we can be life-sustaining. So that sounds like uh, an almost impossible task, 20 to 30 to above 200. I mean, we'll talk about that more as, as our conversation goes on, uh, but that really sounds like a daunting task, even for the adults among us who may be listening right now. How on earth do you get from a a vibrational level of 20 to 30 to 200? Is it hard? Is it easy? Is it doable? It is totally doable, and it's easier than we think, and it takes focus. And at the same time, this is where we have power. We don't have power over anything else but this work and when we focus on it everything changes in our life because we change right we we become um, a magnet to different things when we're really low vibrational what we're attracting is kind of the same kind of same old stuff and frustrating stuff and so when we elevate our life experience becomes completely different because we're a different person your toilet floor wake-up moment. I've got to tell you, that sounds a little uh, unpleasant. <laughs> uh, it was very unpleasant, actually. All right. Well, tell us but about I'm... it. What happened? So um, when I had the eating disorders, I would go through phases where I ate nothing and then also phases where I was bulimic, where I would go to the store, spend $200 on food, and go home and eat it all. And then, you know, inadvertently the food had to come out somehow. And, and and sometimes it was easy, you know, to make yourself throw up. And sometimes it wasn't. And, and this was an evening where it wasn't. And in my... In my... I, I don't want to call it an illusion, but it, it is a, it's a state where you're beside yourself, basically. I grabbed the toothbrush and stuck it down my throat in, in an attempt to make myself throw up. And the toothbrush got stuck. Oh my. And for a moment... I couldn't I couldn't breathe. I couldn't swallow, I couldn't breathe and and my parents or my mom, I think, you know, when when she was really scared at times because she knew what was going on, she had said, you know, you'll end up like Mama Cass someday, you'll just you know, we'll just find you choked to death on the bathroom floor kind of thing. <laughs> and so when that happened with the toothbrush, I just heard my mom's voice, you know, it's like, Ah, this is it, you know. And then luckily, um, the toothbrush loosened, and 
I, it came out and I could breathe again. And but from that moment on, I really in that moment I realized, oh my God, if I don't do something differently, I am going to die. Yeah, and it's, I'm it's, not going to have children. And you know, and I really, really wanted to have children. So my children are really, they kept me like going. And 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 my future children at that point. Yeah. It it, it sounds like a horrifying almost unspeakable moment but i'm glad that the uh the toothbrush was dislodged what what were your first steps after realizing that you had almost killed yourself well you know i was kind of in a shock in a shock and just i was basically open to anything and that my mom at that time and i actually wasn't weren't talking at all and um nevertheless she invited me to the family constellation workshop that i shared about in the beginning of our interview, and because that just had happened, I actually said yes and and went. If that hadn't happened, I would have just been like, stay away. I don't want to hear from you, you know, um, and just pushed her away. But um, because it had happened, I was actually open to to the invitation, and I went. My mom didn't even go. She just paid for me and just said, just go. I won't even be there. You don't have to see me. And, um, yeah. So it's interesting because as much as your mom did not want to hear about the pain that was in your life, she was also aware of the fact that there was pain and that something needed to happen. Yeah, I mean, she knew about the eating disorders and she knew, you know, about the bulimia and so forth. She just, um, and at that at that time, it had, you know, with with her boyfriend, that had come out like that, you know, that came out. Um, yeah, like like we shared about, I, t- I told her at some point because she asked me why I was behaving so strangely, and then I told her, and um, so you know it was it was known at that. I mean, it was known even though she wanted to kind of deny it, but it was it, that was known, and uh, you know she obviously blamed herself for everything. That's what moms do, <laughs> right? And um, and obviously you know she's my mother, so she loves me, and like every mother, she they, mothers don't give up. Carolyn, throughout the book, you reference women you're talking to women and yet we know that men and boys are assaulted as well it seems like you made a conscious choice to focus on the folks who we believe are the most affected by childhood sexual abuse is that what happened or you tell me well because i'm a woman you know most most when I tell my story, it's mostly women that resonate with me, and also what I actually have found a lot that I get a lot of support from men that are married to someone who has gone through trauma. So, like, so indirect, it speaks to men, and oftentimes I've seen you know men basically being grateful that I do this because they had something that they could give to their partner, mother, sister, you know, cousin, friend, whatever. And so this has, you know, this this has worked better. It's just organically developed that way. And I do have men, you know, that come and ask if they, um, if the book would work for them. But I think for men, there's still such a more bigger taboo, you know, coming out and saying it even. And um, 
It's true. And a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of men who also, you know, went to sexual trauma. And at the same time, almost every person I've ever encountered has some kind of shame and guilt around sexuality, right? We all need sexual healing, even if we haven't been traumatized, you know, we've had awkward moments or... um, we're, that our sexuality is is our most sensitive energetic place basically because it's so connected to our core and who we are and our creation our creativity right so um it's also the first place where our power can get taken away from us and so people you know that so when sexual abuse happens it has nothing to do with actually um, sex or lust, I think it really right. has to do with power. Exactly. And so, you know, the, the easiest way to disempower someone is to uh, go, you know, to to the sexual center. And and so we've all been disempowered to what the church has taught us and, you know. Through many sources, absolutely. The family constellations work that you do, is that work that you do with an individual looking at the whole of their family history, or is it literally family members in the room doing family therapy? No, it's with an individual, and sometimes it's not even the family. It, it is called family constellations because originally it was started with, you know, family work. I see. But you can actually use it for any kind of system. So, um, you could constellate your body, you could, could constellate your work, you can constellate inner parts. Um, and also oftentimes, you know, when I start working with someone, we do the family of origin because so much of our imprinting comes from that. Um, and when I say constellating, actually the reason why it's called constellating is because we use representatives. So when it's done in a group, let's say, you know, you came to me and you wanted to clear your relationship with your mother, I would have you pick somebody from the audience for your mother and someone for you and then you would place those people in the room and then me as the facilitator I would interview these people and about the dynamic how they feel and the the magic of this is that all of a sudden they know they they know because there's a knowing field that we all have access to but we ourselves can't really access it because of our ego structure right so we need other people that don't know nothing about us that are just neutral to stand in for us that that, and then the process can reveal what really the issue is. And so you can do this with anything. You say that there's a knowing field that we all have access to. What do you mean by that? So because everything is energy, everything is, is known on a, you know, on a spiritual energetic level. I see. So, and that field can be accessed by anybody. And, you know, most people haven't learned to do it. And, and you, when you learn to use your intuition, that's also how you access this field, right? The field of um, infinite possibilities and all-knowing, you know, you could call it consciousness. So there are lots of physical cues that you might be shutting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for, for those who aren't used to paying attention to themselves, even if they can identify the physical cues, that's an important beginning to enhance self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes? No? Yeah. Yes, okay. and I actually have a free gift on my website that helps people to then learn what to do with it. You know, recognizing it's the first step and then what to do with it to transform it into positive energy. Um, there's a process that I use and teach, and it's a free gift on my website for people if you want to share that. We love free gifts. What's your website? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, women, womeninthefloor.com. Okay, womeninthefloor, all one word, dot com. 
exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell us about core wounds. In in the few minutes that we in the very few minutes that we have left, can you give us a a, a sense of what a core wound is? Yeah, so in my example, my core wound is thinking that I'm not worthy because nobody protected me. Ah. Right, so my 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 stuff always comes back to me feeling like I'm not worthy, I'm not important. And so that's how I see the world, you know, when I'm in my small self, that's how I see the world, and that's my work, right? And that's why I give away my power and so forth. And, you know, there's there's we all have similar wounds that we all don't feel like we're enough or, you know, that we're loved enough and so forth. And so there's similarities, and we each have our own variation on the theme. Gotcha. Carol, let me ask you as we close out our conversation today, just to give your website one more time as we run out of here. It's womeninthefloor.com. Terrific. Thank you, Carolyn, so much for joining us today. That is Carolyn Hauser Carson, the author of Blossom, Your Seven-Step Journey to Healing Childhood Sexual Abuse and Creating Your Dream Life. And thank you for joining me on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a mental health, medical health, or other professional. You can always listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K. I'd love to know where in the world you are as you're listening today, so do send an email to me at Pamela, that's P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. I'd also love to hear your questions or comments about this or any other Mind Talk program. So once again, that is M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, It's unacceptable. You take care.